Wedding of John Rolfe and Princess Pocahontas, April 5, 1614 Continuing to further document and understand the lives of our earliest ancestors, emigrants from England to Jamestown, Virginia, I have included below, the 1614 letter, transcribed and updated to today's word usage and spellings by me I made no changes to word choices or punctuation and kept present-day English spellings. My 11th great-grandfather, John Rolfe, English explorer, penned this letter to Sir Thomas Dale, then governor of the Jamestown colony. In this deeply moving and revealing letter, John Rolfe asks permission to marry Princess Pocahontas, daughter of Indian chief Powhatan, who presided over the Powhatan Empire until his death in 1618. If you would like to see the online letter with 400-year-old English words and spellings, please visit virtual Jamestown site. Honorable Sir and Most Worthy Governor When your leisure shall best serve you to peruse these lines, I trust in God, the beginning will not strike you into a greater admiration, and the end will give you good content. It is a matter of no small moment, concerning my own particular, which here I impart unto you, and which toucheth me so dearly, as the tenderness of my salvation. Howbeit I freely subject myself to your grave and mature judgment, deliberation, approbation and determination, assuring myself of your zealous admonitions, and godly comforts, either persuading me to desist, or encouraging me to persist therein, with a religious and godly care, for which, from the very instant, that this began to root itself within the secret bosom of my breast, my daily and earnest prayers have been, still are, and ever shall be produced forth with as sincere a godly zeal as I possibly may be directed, aided and governed in all my thoughts, words, and deeds, to the glory of God, and for my eternal consolation. To persevere wherein I never had more need, nor, till now, could ever imagine having been moved with the like occasion. But, my case standing as it doth, what better worldly refuge can I here seek, than to shelter myself under the safety of your favorable protection? And did not my ease proceed from an unspotted conscience, I should not dare to offer to your view and approved judgment, these passions of my troubled soul, so full of fear and trembling and hypocrisy and dissimulation. But knowing my own innocence and godly fervor, in the whole prosecution hereof, I doubt not of your benign acceptance and clement construction. As for malicious depravers and turbulent spirits, to whom nothing is tasteful but what pleaseth their unsavory palate, I pass not for them being well assured in my persuasion, by the often trial and proving of myself in my holiest meditations and prayers, that I am called hereunto by the Spirit of God, and it shall be sufficient for me to be protected by yourself in all virtuous and pious endeavors. And for my more happy proceeding herein, my daily oblations shall ever be addressed to bring to pass so good effects, that yourself and all the world may truly say, This is the work of God, and it is marvelous in our eyes. But to avoid tedious preambles, and to come nearer the matter, first, suffer me with your patience, to sweep and make clean the way wherein I walk, from all suspicions and doubts, which may be covered therein, and faithfully to reveal unto you, what should move me hereunto. Let therefore this my well-advised protestation, which here I make between God and my own conscience, be a sufficient witness, at the dreadful day of judgment, when the secret of all men's hearts shall be opened, to condemn me herein, if my chief intent and purpose be not, to strive with all my power of body and mind, in the undertaking of so mighty a matter, no way let, so far forth as man's weakness may permit, with the unbridled desire of carnal affection, but for the good of this plantation, for the honor of our country, for the glory of God, for my own salvation, and for the converting to the true knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, an unbelieving creature, namely Pocahontas, to whom my hearty and best thoughts are, and have a long time been so entangled, and enthralled in so intricate a labyrinth, that I was even wearied to unwind myself thereof.
But Almighty God, who never faileth his, that truly invocate his holy name hath opened the gate and led me by the hand that I might plainly see and discern the safe paths wherein to trade. To you therefore, most noble sir, the patron and father of us in this country do I utter the effects of this settled and long-continued affection, which hath made a mighty war in my meditations, and here I do truly relate, to what issue this dangerous combat is come unto, wherein I have not only examined, but thoroughly tried and pared my thoughts even to the quick, before I could end and fit wholesome and apt applications to cure so dangerous an ulcer. I never fail to offer my daily and faithful prayers to God, for His sacred and holy assistance. I forgot not to set before mine eyes the frailty of mankind, his proneness to evil, his indulgence of wicked thoughts, with many other imperfections wherein man is daily ensnared, and oftentimes overthrown, and them compared to my present estate. Nor was I ignorant of the heavy displeasure which Almighty God conceived against the sons of Levi and Israel for marrying strange wives, nor of the inconveniences which may thereby arise, with other the like good motions which made me look about warily and with good circumspection, into the grounds and principal agitations, which thus should provoke me to be in love with one whose education hath been rude, her manners barbarous, her generation accursed, and so discrepant in all nature for myself, that oftentimes with fear and trembling, I have ended my private controversy with this, surely these are wicked instigations, hatched by him who seeketh and delighteth in man's destruction, and so with fervent prayers to be ever preserved from such diabolical assaults, as I took those to be, I have taken some rest. Thus, when I had thought I had obtained my peace and quietness, behold another, but more gracious temptation hath made breaches into my holiest and strongest meditations, with which I have been put to a new trial, in a straighter manner than the former, for besides the many passions and sufferings which I have daily, hourly, yea and in my sleep endured, even awaking me to astonishment, taxing me with remissness, and carelessness, refusing and neglecting to perform the duty of a good Christian, pulling me by the ear, and crying, why dost not thou endeavor to make her a Christian? And these have happened to my greater wonder, when she hath been furthest separated from me, which in common reason, were it not an undoubted work of God, might breed forgetfulness of a far more worthy creature. Besides, I say the Holy Spirit of God often demanded of me, why I was created? If not for transitory pleasures and worldly vanities, but to labor in the Lord's vineyard, there to sow and plant, to nourish and increase the fruits thereof, daily adding with the good husband in the gospel, somewhat to the talent, that in the end the fruits may be reaped, to the comfort of the laborer in this life, and his salvation in the world to come? And if this be, as undoubtedly this is, the service Jesus Christ requireth of his best servant, who unto him that hath these instruments of piety put into his hands and willfully despiseth to work with them. Likewise, adding hereunto her great appearance of love to me, her desire to be taught and instructed in the knowledge of God, her capableness of understanding, her aptness and willingness to receive any good impression, and also the spiritual, besides her own incitement stirring me up hereunto. What should I do? Shall I be of so untoward a disposition, as to refuse to lead the blind into the right way? Shall I be so unnatural, as not to give bread to the hungry or uncharitable, as not to cover the naked? Shall I despise to actuate these pious duties of a Christian? Shall the base fear of displeasing the world, overpower and withhold me from revealing unto man these spiritual works of the Lord, which in my meditations and prayers, I have daily made known unto him? God forbid. I assuredly trust he hath thus dealt with me for my eternal felicity, and for his glory, and I hope so to be guided by his heavenly grace, that in the end by my faithful pains and Christian-like labor, I shall attain to that blessed promise pronounced by that holy prophet Daniel unto the righteous that bring many unto the knowledge of God. Namely, that they shall shine like the stars forever and ever.
A sweeter comfort cannot be to a true Christian, nor a greater encouragement for him to labor all the days of his life, in the performance thereof, nor a greater gain of consolation, to be desired at the hour of death, and in the day of judgment. Again by my reading, and conference with honest and religious persons, have I received no small encouragement, besides serena me conscientia, the clearness of my conscience, clean from the filth of impurity, quo est instar morichinai, which is unto me, as a brazen wall. If I should set down at large, the prohibitions and godly motions, which have striven within me, I should but make a tedious and unnecessary volume. But I doubt not these shall be sufficient both to certify you of my true intents, in discharging of my duty to God, and to yourself, to whose gracious providence I humbly submit myself, for his glory, your honor, our country's good, the benefit of this plantation, and for the converting of one unregenerate, to regeneration, which I beseech God to grant, for his dear Son Christ Jesus' sake. Now if the vulgar sort, who square all men's actions by the base rule of their own filthiness, shall tax or taunt me in this my godly labor, let them know, it is not any hungry appetite, to gorge myself with incontinency, sure, if I would, and were so sensually inclined, I might satisfy such desire, though not without a seared conscience, yet with Christians more pleasing to the eye, and less fearful in the offense unlawfully committed. Nor am I in so desperate a state, that I regard not what becometh of me, nor am I out of hope but one day to see my country, nor so void of friends, nor mean in birth, but there to obtain a match to my great content, nor have I ignorantly passed over my hopes there, or regardlessly seek to lose the love of my friends, by taking this course, I know them all, and have not rashly overstepped any. But shall it please God thus to dispose of me, which I earnestly desire to fulfill my ends before set down, I will heartedly accept of it as a godly tax appointed me, and I will never cease, God assisting me, until I have accomplished, and brought to perfection so holy a work, in which I will daily pray God to bless me, to mine, and her eternal happiness. And thus desiring no longer to live, to enjoy the blessings of God, then this my resolution doth tend to such godly ends, as are by me before declared, not doubting of your favorable acceptance, I take my leave, beseeching Almighty God to rain down upon you, such plenitude of His heavenly graces, as your heart can wish and desire, and so I rest. At your command most willing to be disposed of. John Rolfe. Dash. Source. Jameson J. Framlin. Narratives of Early Virginia. New York, Charles Scribner's Sons, 1907. 237-244.